Welcome to the Leading and Learning Through Safety podcast, where we discuss the technical and people side of safety. Safety should be your primary leadership tool for discovering more about your people and culture. Your host is Dr. Mark French, also known as the Safety Dude. Mark is a credentialed, experienced, and passionate professional with experience in automotive, food, chemical, nuclear, e-commerce, and energy sectors. He is going to share information and anecdotes from years of experience in the people side of safety based on industrial and organizational psychological theories. Safety is so much more than a technical skill. It is a motivational need that defines the culture of your organization. Employee safety is a meaningful business practice that makes a direct impact on everyone through direct behavioral engagement. That is why your organization should be using safety as a key method to learn about your culture and lead your teams. Thanks for joining this episode as we talk through current issues in people management and how they impact our everyday workplace. And welcome to this episode of the Leading and Learning Through Safety podcast. I'm Mark. I'm your host, and again, so happy you've joined me for this weekly dive into all things people-based in the workplace. It's OSHA, it's HR, it's training, it's learning, it's management, it's finance. We do it all in the safety world, and we're expected to do it all with proficiency. And so I hope this podcast is one, let you know you're not alone. We're all in it together, we're all doing it together, we're all living this together, And two, maybe some insights and what's happening in the safety world. The one that caught my attention this week as I was reading through the news uh, was a really interesting and shocking one that I never really considered and also something that I think really has a much bigger scope to what we look at. And we've talked about a big part of safety is learning. We have to train. There are so many regulations within the OSHA standard that require some form of training, sometimes annually, sometimes it's upon hire. And of course, it's when anything changes. So if the work task changes, if the hazard changes, we have to train on it. Am I the best that's ever been at it? No. Do I always try to get better? Yes. So I'll disclaimer there because I'm far from perfect there because it's hard to really invest. And this is a whole separate topic to really invest the time that is needed into training. It takes a lot. It's a lot of time. It's a lot of effort. And it's a lot more than most organizations really understand the depth for. And so let's start with this one. This was a fine that was issued. Uh, It was $55,000 in OSHA fines. And this was from an incident that occurred last year. And this was a Jacksonville area, Florida diving recovery company. What they do is they're the company that jumps into ponds and lakes around golf courses and they retrieve the balls. This is an industrial diving operation. It requires you think that, oh, it's just a pond or it's just a lake. It's not an ocean or it's not super hazardous. It's just you go down, you scoop up balls, you bring them back to the surface. This shows that we can't underestimate the hazard. There's an OSHA regulation there in place for a reason around any commercial diving. And this was from December 2021. The diver and his co-worker 
they were retrieving some sunken golf balls at a pond, at a golf course. The diver became unresponsive. And here's where things really show me that there are significant cultural, significant people issues, significant organizational issues. Once they became unresponsive, the person that was there to help pull them out basically could do not much, found a golfer that was on the golf course, had them use their cell phone to call 911. The diver was transported to a local hospital where he later died. He had only been working for the organization that was contracted to get these balls for three days. Now, it's probably not a surprise. One of the findings and one of the finds was around training. He had no training. 26-year-old diving in a pond. No training. No one around him that could evidently perform any kind of emergency response. Not even given emergency response communication tools. Sent out to do a job. Never came home. For what? Golf balls. Out of a lake. Unbelievable. This, the more I think about it, the more frustrated and the more angry I actually get over this one. And of course, they start off with the article saying, you know, everything starts with training. Well, yeah. What kind of training were they given? Did they walk up and say, oh, yeah, I've dived before. I've, I've done diving. I have a card, maybe. Maybe not even that. Maybe I've just done it, and I don't mind doing it in a pond for you. Not really sure there. But I have a feeling there probably wasn't a lot of expertise, potentially. There was no training. Uh, there were no life-saving measures. They failed, no surprise, to provide continuous monitoring, kind of like a confined space. I know a lot of us don't interact with diving. I don't either. I read a little bit on it to not be completely novice, but it reminds me a lot of what, from a confined space standpoint, of monitoring, knowing how your person is doing, staying aware of conditions. And ultimately, it came down to this person did not have any of the protections that were provided by law under industrial diving operations. There was no protections under law for any of the other OSHA governing issues that were there. No training. And that one is the one that sticks to me the most, is an organization that would bring someone on, have them do what is actually considered highly hazardous. Diving operations is, doesn't have its own separate section in the OSHA standards for no reason. It's there because and it has its own separate section because it is so hazardous. It is a significant hazard. It is an SIF. We don't breathe underwater. And so it has the immediate potential for significant incident, especially fatality, as here. No training. Person walks on the job, maybe not knowing that they're supposed to get training. Maybe thinking this is the normal, because that is normal. Unfortunately, it's too normal. Now, let's not say it's the normal, because I know better. There's a lot of really good companies, and there's a really lot of good safety people and good HR people and good training people who are doing a fantastic job out there. But it's too common. 
in organizations that give the rest of us the bad name, where you walk in off the street, you're patted on the back, and you're said, man, you look like you got what it takes to do this job right. And the people who do this job right just jump in there and get it done. They don't have to ask questions. They're doers. They're not askers. Have you heard that spiel before? Where you're set up from the beginning that, oh, you don't need training here because we only hire the best. And you're the smartest, and you can do it, and we don't need to give you training. And here we are. We've sent them out, third day on the job, doing a dive with someone who is not watching out for their well-being, doesn't know how to make contact, doesn't have the tools, and doesn't have the knowledge. And that's a scary, scary situation. If you have ever been around a situation where someone needs CPR, even if you have drilled and you've been taught it year after year and you have drilled and you have practiced on the mannequins, it's a very different story when there's an emergency happening around you. It's easy to panic. It's easy to freak out. And without that training, oh man, there's no doubt. It's scary. And so you have to have that training to hopefully fall back on that muscle memory, to fall back on that training. I want to continue this conversation about training and I'm mainly focused on this aspect of why this is why training is so important. So we're going to talk more about that coming up right after this break. It's time to rehumanize the workplace. Having the means and methods to engage and empower your team is more important than ever. Fortunately, TSD Amalgamated is here for you. They focus on better understanding your organization's culture through team building, safety auditing, personal assessments, leadership training, and compliance-based systems. Their staff has the training, knowledge, and experience to help you achieve safety, compliance, and beyond. Visit tsdamalgamated.com for more information. Welcome back to the second half of the Leading and Learning Through Safety podcast. So just moments ago, we were talking about an incident that received an OSHA fine in Florida for a commercial diving operation. It was for retrieving golf balls out of the bottom of a pond, and that's what they do. The contract service goes around, gets golf balls. Someone lost their life because they had no training, because they did not have the person with them that was supposed to help them didn't have any training on how to monitor, how to perform CPR, how to contact 911, or even had the tools because they had to rely on someone else to make the phone call once they realized there was something going wrong. But again, training, how do you know how to monitor someone underwater if you've never been trained to do it? So the focus that I really want to talk about during the rest of the podcast here is not to continue to browbeat the problem, because the problem is evident, and that is there is a significant lack of investment in training in some aspects of the safety world. And I will say, even those who do training well, they probably even look at themselves in the mirror and think, you know, we could still do more. And I think that's inevitable. I think that's a cycle of continuous improvement. It's okay to feel that way. But it's also good to hold your head high when you're able to get some training done. To me, that's always been a challenge. We in the safety field, I've always felt that we are stretched 
thinner than most because we're expected to know all the safety regulations. We're expected to be chemists and physicists and managers and leaders, and we're supposed to maintain our financials. We're supposed to be able to set goals. We're supposed to be able to discipline. We're supposed to be able to coach people. We're supposed to be able to motivate people. And then we're on top of that. We're supposed to be subject matter experts to be able to teach it and still have time to do all of that. And that's a lot. That's a lot of hats to wear as a professional. And don't mean to seem like very black and white here, but we do stand on that life and death hinge. The work we do is between life and death. It's injury, not injury, harm, no harm. And yet we have so much. And so when we look at training, training is one of those items that I feel like we could always invest more in. And it's always hard to get that investment from an organization. Because you don't see the return on investment like anything that you would do with quality delivery or cost. You make a change, you get return. With training, you're just hoping that investment returns something in the long run. And when you do that, are you doing the right training? How are you doing it? Are you assuring it works? And something I want to talk about here is this is a very famous training model, but it's something I really didn't start to discover more and more until I was really deep diving my doctoral dissertation because I ended up in one low <laughs> made my way around, but ultimately it came down to, I wanted to understand motivation in adults when it comes to safety and how we do it through learning, because that's our primary chance. From a safety professional standpoint or a learning person standpoint, that's our chance to create motivation because we have, usually have a group of people. We're presenting material. We have that time dedicated to a topic. Hopefully it's enough time. A lot of times it's not, as I heard from a lot of my peers as I was doing the research. But as I was doing the background research of what does it take to do good training, the ADDIE model, the A-D-D-I-E, ADDIE model, was one of my favorites. And it's a very famous model. It's been used a lot. A lot of people continue to use it, and for good reason. I think it is. it really fulfills the plan, do, check, act, lean aspect of training. So I want to share that with you. Of course, you can do any type of web search, and you're going to come up with all kinds of neat graphics, but I want to talk about it from where I have been in a safety professional standpoint. So the ADDIE model, A is for analyze, D is for design, D is for development, ADD, and then I, you implement, and E, you evaluate. Plan, do, check, act. Love it. So when you analyze, what is the purpose of the training? That is something we miss quite frequently, is ultimately what are we trying to accomplish with this training? Are we trying to get legal compliance? Are we trying to motivate the team to follow the rules? Are we trying to teach them all the rules at once? Because that's a lot to learn. Are we just simply trying to give them the tool in the toolbox? How do we do it? What are we trying to accomplish? And let's be real with what we're trying to accomplish in the time that we have. And a lot of times it is really legal compliance. I hate to say it. I've been there. I know it. But step one is legal compliance. We want to be able to show the paperwork that we've done it so that OSHA says that we've done it. The other part is, of course, we want to protect our team. The second part is design. What is it? How are you going to design this training 
to be most effective. And in most cases, it's a video, it's a web learning, especially today more than ever in the virtual workplace, or it's a PowerPoint lecture. Are those exceptionally effective? No. Can we make them more effective? Yes, there are ways you can be more effective, but lecture training is still the most efficient way of delivering content. And so we use it. And I don't think we're ever going to get away from it because there's always time and cost constraints in the workplace. Are there times that maybe we need to, when we think about the purpose or the risk associated with the training, we need to change it? Probably. And that's where design phase really comes in is, is this a topic that we can do the lecture? We can do the PowerPoint. We can do the video. And it'll still be effective or maybe the risk reduction. There's other aspects of the risk reduction that's engineered rather than learned development. Then you actually make it, make that video, make that PowerPoint, uh, prepare your scenarios that you want to role play through, build that model that we're going to work on and practice what we're doing. Implementation. You do it. You schedule it, you bring the people in, you let them do it, you execute your plan, you make it happen. So here we are, the ADDI. The final one is evaluation. You can use Kirkpatrick's model. You can, there's a lot of models out there, but honestly, are they taking the knowledge that you've just bestowed upon them and are they taking it to the workplace? And even better, now here's super effective. Here's that next level effectiveness with training. Are they sharing it with others? Hey, I saw this great training. Can you believe what this guy said or did or what we did? Let me share it with you. But the goal is that you find it and you evaluate it in some way. See if it was effective. See if it accomplished what you wanted it to accomplish in the analyze phase. Did it? Maybe there's a way you can make it better. Maybe there's simple ways that your class informed you that you can do it better. That's the focus. And when we talk about training, that's the first thing I try to look at when I'm working through a problem of how do we educate? How do we push that knowledge out there to our team to assure one, they are ready for the hazards. They understand what we have in place as an organization to protect them. And of course, maintain that legal compliance. Training is that first piece. It's that first opportunity to motivate your team towards safety. So I hope you'll take the chance to maximize whatever time you have, whatever space you have to do training with your team. Think of it as that first opportunity to motivate, to help them prepare to protect themselves. Thanks for joining me on this episode. I really love training. I love talking about training and I appreciate you joining in on that conversation. Until next time that we chat, stay safe. listening to the Leading and Learning Through Safety podcast. Join the online conversation at www.markafrench.com. All opinions expressed on the podcast are solely attributed to the individual and not affiliated with any business entity.
This podcast is for informational and entertainment purposes. It is not a substitute for proper policy, appropriate training, or legal advice. This has been the Leading and Learning Through Safety podcast.